Wimbros are back with a special Valentine's Day edition. Grant, we felt a lot of love from our listeners, and we decided it was finally time to dust off the old mics and return for a special new podcast. Yeah, it's been a it's been a long long time, but uh, we had to get back, get back to the into the season of love and and share the same love that our viewers give us, and back to them. Incredibly, I think it's been almost a year now. We we left off really when you were at the Colorado Springs Training Center. Let's let's update our listeners on how things went last summer and talk about uh, the meets that you qualified for. I think that's the biggest news on the personal front. Yeah, so Summer Nationals in Irvine, California this year was a qualifying meet for numerous meets. Uh, there was qualification for the Pan Pacific Championships in Tokyo, Japan. And that also gave way to the World Championship qualification criteria. And then uh, if you did not qualify for Pan Pacifics, there were also World University Games qualifiers and Pan American qualifiers as well, along with the annual junior national team and national team qualifications as well. And uh, fortunately, uh, I performed well enough to get a spot on the Pan American team as well as the World University WUGS team to represent the United States uh, later this coming summer. So just to summarize, really the big takeaway here is that this summer you'll be traveling internationally to Lima, Peru and Naples, Italy for some big time meets. Yeah, yeah. Summer and summer, yes. Nice little tune up, hopefully in advance of uh, Tokyo 2020. Yeah, hopefully with uh, get some more international experience and uh, properly prep and uh, prepare for future meets and endeavors. Awesome. So, you know, as as we like to do here on the Swim Bros podcast, we're going to kind of keep it Tuned on on the NCAA swimming front. Right now, we're getting into championship season. So, big fun coming up for a lot of swimmers. I hesitate to mention the T word. Starts with a T, ends with an aper, but we have a lot of, a lot of guys and gals getting ready to swim fast here at the end of the season. Just had some Division II conference championships over last weekend. And the big conferences, Big Ten, SEC, Pac-12, they'll all be coming up here shortly. Yeah, it's definitely getting that time of the season, that, uh, the taper time. Oh. And, you said it, folks. Um, and, uh, so yeah, it's neat. The Pac-12 usually has one of the later, uh, conference championships in college swimming. And so a couple of the other conferences are already nearing it, especially on the women's side of things. Just the women's season starts earlier than the men's and they get, they get going into things, especially championship season earlier in that regards. Uh, so I know some of the conferences do have, I guess, co-ed, you might say, conference championships, but the Pac-12 does have their separated. But we are getting into the time frame where it is championship season conference, and then in a, a little bit after that, a couple more weeks, the NCAA qualification and championships. So with that said, let's let's go ahead and summarize kind of your sophomore season here at ASU with the Sun Devils. I think it was a growing season. Uh, you guys are in probably the toughest conference out there in the Pac-12 with, with dual meet opponents like Cal Berkeley, Stanford. You always have to be on your toes. So you recently just came to uh, season's end again with a dual meet against University of, are we allowed to say it? Oh, yeah, we can say it. That school down south, yeah. University of Arizona. And the Dirty T. And uh, came away with the big W there, which was uh, really, I think, what college swimming is all about. A close rivalry matchup where it really came down to the last relay. So a fun end for you guys. Why don't you fill me in on a little bit of the rest of the season, including that midseason meet you guys had? Yeah, so this season, uh, compared to last, we had a lot of away meets. So we are traveling pretty frequently to any of our dual meets we had in season. Uh, started out great with the intra squad meet, and then we had a meets out in uh, Florida State as well, and that went well for our, our men and women first travel instance. 
And uh, it was just a great experience, I thought, for how young our team is. Our freshman class is astronomically large and uh, our sophomore base. And we only have one male senior this year. So definitely dominated by our team is dominated by a population with the underclassmen, which I think with the projection and how our team's doing is a is a good problem, if you want to call it that, to have. But yeah, a lot of um, traveling this, this year, midseason, was at uh, IU for the IU invite in Bloomington, Indiana. And that went great. I felt like comparatively to last year, we uh, kind of got into the season a little bit more gradual and there was much more progress than maybe just kind of coming in day one and having a certain amount of workload, but we kind of built into it and adapted it a lot better this year. And I got to credit that to the entire coaching staff at ASU and uh, head coach Bob Bowman making that master plan and, and forming it all together because he saw some things didn't go the way we wanted to on the men's and women's side at the end of the short course season and saw some things that we want, how we wanted it to go in the long course season. So definitely already made those changes and we saw the results at mid season already. So a lot of, a lot of fast swimming, some best times. Uh, I had a best time myself in two events. Uh, so it was nice. It was, it was exciting and it was fun to see so many guys and girls from ASU swimming best times and swimming fast at that point in the season. So, Grant, three quarters of the way through your sophomore season, you're a year older, wiser. You have facial hair now. Your yeah. your voice is starting to get low like Jackson Maine. Mm, indubitably. Hey. What? I just want to take another look at you. So tell us a little bit. And now that you're you know getting older, you're kind of learning the ropes. It's not as much of a shock. What are some of the ways that you've worked smarter, not harder this year to kind of increase your performance on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so it definitely took a learning curve, and and the summer helped me helped me a lot with that. And I guess honestly, the kind of the failures of last season and, and that occurred near the end and and throughout. Obviously, there's failures here and there, and not just at one point. But it kind of made me reevaluate and analyze some things, as everyone should, regardless of what level of success they see or don't see at the end of the season. Um, but yeah, one of the things that I, I just I kind of evaluated was I needed to take my recovery and my rest as seriously as I did my training and, and nutrition, because it's I think the the three aspects, not in any order, are, are rest, nutrition, and training dash work. Um, to set you up for the best you can for your performances at the end of the season and racing. And if two thirds of those are in check, but one third's not, you're only operating and, and completing 66.6%. And that's a failing grade for a lot of people. So that, I guess that would be the, the first thing. And the, the second thing would be kind of going on top of that is, uh, taking the rest when I got it, taking the recovery days when I got it and not trying to do too much in or out of the pool when it wasn't, uh, programmed or, or, put into our, our schedule. Um, and by that, like on weeks in the weight room, we go and periodize into different ways. Uh, every fourth or fifth week, occasionally we get what would be called a reload phase where we kind of drop down in volume and intensity a little bit and let our bodies kind of adapt and, and rejuvenate a little bit with the central nervous system and just our muscles. And we'd compensate with that in the pool, increasing volume, increasing intensity there because our bodies have more energy. And I think just acknowledging that a little bit better than last year, actually a lot better, and utilizing that extra extra energy not to go and try to push weight in the weight room, not try to do more in the weight room, but emphasize the water work and the pool time even more was something that I that I really hit home. And uh, also comparatively to last year, I guess this would be my third point, is 
dialing in the nutrition for, for me. I've always been a nutrition buff and always been trying to learn more and more. But, uh, comparatively last year, I'm in my own apartment now. That's a big change. Big, uh, big adult stuff now. I got big boy pants on! So I get to kind of control what I eat a little bit more. I'm not confined only to dining, dining services, dining halls. And I finally get to kind of have some autonomy in what I put into my body, what I choose to transport with me to classes downtown or snacks on the go and, and just fueling myself more efficiently or, or for what I feel like is the most efficacious to have the most success. Good. So, you know, it's always nice to hear as a, uh, as a retired swammer here that really all I need to do is just rest a little bit more and I can keep improving. So I, I think I'm really on the right track. If, hey, if things go well for me here. I mean, I... <laughs> eat right, eat right and rest enough and you've got a, a, a dirty combination. Yeah, there. I can just ignore that training aspect and maybe things will still turn out okay for me. We'll uh, who see. knows? I mean, you can you can roll the <laughs> dice. You can see how it goes. Uh, we'll see though. Unlike you, I will accept a 66% as, as a passing grade on my scale. So, you know, with regards to the championship season coming up again, let's talk suits. Uh, all the major suit companies are kind of rolling out their newest iteration, probably the last suit before uh, 2020 Olympic trials. So TYR tier just released the Venzo suit. Arena has a rivalry 2.0. Speedo is doing some excellent marketing with their, you know, personalized packaging for their new suit which i understand is kind of modeled after the mizuno and of course mizuno with their classic brand finally coming over to north america establishing more of a presence uh signing a partnership with blake peroni so a lot of stuff going on in that area of course we didn't mention the mp suit we have to throw that one out there as well uh and we've yet to see a new suit from them so who knows yeah something who knows something could be in the works per se do you have a favorite suit yeah uh, like you said uh right now um i definitely Love the MP, and it was my favorite suit until I, I tried to, was able to try Mizuno. And uh, I really just like how that fits and how it provides everything that I'm, I'm looking for with uh, how a tech suit and a race suit for the end of the season um, all too often. I think a lot of people encounter like a suit's too tight, uh, circulation, too much compression, not really long-lasting or buoyant enough. And I feel like I get really a lot of those components with the MP and the Mizuno. Um, I just feel like uh, some certain aspects that in the Mizuno I, I prefer a lot more, um, but nothing against the MP. I just think it the Mizuno is frankly just better, like a, another step up. And I think every company, like you said, is coming out and putting new suits out there and trying to update it. Like you said, Mizuno just came out with the fourth generation of their own suit. So obviously they're trying to create more and more and trying to be more efficient with it. And like you said, the Venzo, the Arenas and Speedo and I'm sure MP is as well. So it's, um, it's the suit that I've really enjoyed. And I know there's some different models of the Mizuno, but I've only tried one. And so far it's, uh, it's done the trick for me. And so for Pac 12s and NCAAs, do you wear the same suit? Or are they going to be different suits? How do you kind of go about that? I, at, at this point, I don't know how long these suits last anymore. Yeah, so ideally, um, for preparation, uh, the, I'll be, cause my, my last Mizuno has, uh, had a couple wears, uh, with the summer nationals and mid-season meet, and it's kind of crossed over into a, a training suit now, and, uh, it also wore it at U of A, so I'll definitely be kind of moving that one out, out of my competition suit and more into practice purposes for whenever we need to go fast and suit up. And then uh, for Pac-12s, I'll be getting a, a new Mizuno, shipping that in, and uh, getting a, a fresh fit 
for the championship season. Yeah, that's kind of a nice confidence booster if you're swimming really fast times in an old suit. You know that when you bust out the new one, it should be a little more water repellent and shave off a few more uh, tenths of a second. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Well, we're going to keep this first episode relatively short, so we'll go ahead and bounce right into our segments that everybody loves. We'll start with uh, Grant, your favorite. You like that. 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 Uh, on the you like that you like segment, that. I definitely think uh, it's got to be the men taking the win over the team down south. It's obviously an exciting meet. Like you said, a uh, very, very good rivalry. And it, it's nice. It's the first time. And uh, I, I was talking to our diving coach, Mark Bradshaw, and he believed the first time in 20 years that the men for ASU went down and, and want to meet in, uh, in Tucson. So that was obviously really incredible to hear and really exciting. And it was just a, it was a neat environment to go into. They unveiled their new pool. And it was great to race in that. It'd be the first meet in that. And, uh, yeah, I definitely, uh, it's definitely you like that for me to, to bring home a W against them. Yeah, it was certainly an awesome weekend. You know, you had both teams suited up. Uh, it looked like they were both swimming pretty crisp. I, I think that the Wildcats definitely wanted to win the meet with their dedication going on, the pool dedication, as you mentioned. And they certainly came out hungry. Uh, it was a back and forth meet all the way. And like you just mentioned, the divers really came through for ASU, scored some points. Um, and then, and then the guys took care of business really when it came down to it on the relays and in some close races. But worth mentioning that there were several top 10 times, uh, thrown down throughout that meet. So really the cream of the crop there and, and some strong, strong stuff from Pac-12 teams. Yeah, definitely some candidates you'll be seeing buying in the final heats of Pac-12s and then potentially at the NCAA level as well. Undoubtedly, I'd say there's some relay potential for both teams to be top eight, and and that remains to be seen, but looking promising at this point. Absolutely, absolutely. Definitely Pac-12, like you mentioned, one of the strongest conferences and will definitely be making an impact and, and presence known at the NCAA level especially. Good stuff. So we always like to say it's you know time to sharpen the blade at this point in the season. I think uh, iron sharpens iron. Those two teams really... Uh, we're able to, to kind of duke it out and, and get each other ready for the Pac-12s. Absolutely. My You Like That for uh, this episode is going to be a little dated. This goes back actually to the Florida State ASU meet. Wow. Um, I traveled down to watch you swim and enjoy the sunny Florida weather down there and, and uh, found myself uh, on a little road trip down to Orlando to visit an old friend. There's something down there right next to Universal Studios called uh, Lucky's Lake Swim. This is hosted by... Uh, lucky John Meisenheimer. If you're at all connected in the Florida swimming world, you will know this guy. He's sort of a renaissance man. He's a doctor. He's a writer. He's a master swimmer extraordinaire. He's a filmmaker. Jack uh, of all trades. The guy, the guy does it all. He also has the world's largest yo-yo collection. So insane. A really, a really cool guy. And he, he hosts a open swim every morning at his house. It's actually a lake swim. As I mentioned, called Lucky's Lake Swim. It's about a mile to a mile and a half open water swim where you uh, essentially jump in his lake, do a little, do a little uh, out and back to a dock across the, across the lake. And it was just an awesome experience. Uh, you know, I said it's open to the public. There are about 30 people there. A lot of them show up on a regular basis. I was kind of a tourist, uh, but it was just a lot of fun. Uh, and I managed not to get eaten by any gators. So I would recommend highly to any swimmers that make their way down to Florida, check out Lucky's Lake Swim. Uh, show up in the morning and you know you have to sign a waiver making 
making sure that if you get eaten by alligators, there's not going to be any lawsuits. But aside from that, it's, it's a real thrill. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I, if I'm not mistaken, there's also like a, a time chart that he keeps track of, correct? Yeah, yeah. Actually, one of your competitors from Stanford, True Sweetster, I think is the all-time record holder for the fastest men's lake swim in Lake Kane. Yeah, former Gator boy down in uh, down in uh, Florida. He certainly knows how to swim those long-distance races. Yep. Okay, so moving on, we're going to get into your next favorite segment, Grant, Hot Takes. Hot Takes! So I'll start out this segment, and uh, my hot take, more recent, uh, pretty uh, pretty close in proximity of time, is uh, the Super Bowl. Hot take is the most uh, subpar and uh, inadequate Super Bowl that I can ever remember seeing. I mean, I thought it was just pretty pretty lame, pretty slow, and uh, not not too much excitement until the last uh, maybe couple minutes. I mean, I was voting for the punters as the most valuable mm. player there. I mean, they were. Getting action left and right, especially St. Louis, they weren't making any any com- conversions on downs, and it was just it was just a real slow game to watch. I mean, the halftime show really really didn't get me going either. The commercials pretty weak, other than maybe two or three, and uh, and yeah, it was just I don't know, it was just a lackluster Super Bowl. I think we all kind of know who would win uh, coming going into it, and uh, there might have been a, a slim hope or glimmer of hope for the Rams, but I think we all knew TB12 and and the Patriots would find some way to pull it out and, and get that competitive edge that we know uh, that TB12 uh, has so to get the job done. Shocking to hear that you're not a Maroon 5 fan, i got to tell you. With yeah. the, the uh, way you can really control that those high-pitched vocal ranges, oh, yeah. I thought you and Adam Levine would be one and the same there. Hey, you know, I, I definitely give some, some hardcore respect to Adam Levine and, and that those high octaves and uh, the vocal control. But uh, I just thought, I thought he's done better. I thought... Uh, I thought it just kind of was rushed. It wasn't him. It wow. was, uh, it, it just wasn't a setting. Super I thought you were going to give us a taste of the vocal range there, but did you really let me down? I got to say. Sorry. I, hot question for you. Would you rather have a Super Bowl like the one we just had, a defensive struggle, but a close game or a blowout where you get, let's say 45 to 20, where one team blows it out, but you still get, you know, six or seven touchdowns? I mean, I think uh, it also goes into like the uh, matter of fact of where your environment is. I think we had that a couple of years ago with uh, Peyton Manning, P-Mans, mm. and the Denver Broncos. I believe they played Seattle, I want to say. And I think the opening, one of the opening plays was like a sack and, and touchdown return from the defense. So, um, in that aspect, got to see it. Um, I think at that point, we kind of just, Kind of tuned it out, playing ping pong, pool table, just talking, shooting the breeze, and tuned in to see the halftime show at that point. But I mean, yeah, so I kind of remember that already to that side of the things. But I guess both are pretty equal. Um, I guess at least in the the side where they're getting one side's dominating and scoring a lot of points, there's there's some action and and a, like I guess excitement going on in the game. But I think in regards to the defensive struggle, it wasn't really. As much of a like defense against defense prowess, it was more of the lackluster and embarrassing offensive capabilities that the Rams were showing, and and also the Patriots for much of the first half. It just, I mean, yeah, obviously the defensive can is conducive to that, but I felt like a lot of the errors were forced from offensive players and just merely not getting the job done for when they needed to, not making the completions, not pushing that last yard. And uh, just sloppy play overall. So I think it wasn't as much of a defensive defensive struggle as much as a just lackluster offensive performance. 
Well, I got to tell you, as a man who's about to reach the age of 30, it's it's really um, motivating for me to see Tom Brady still doing it at yeah. his age. So it gives me hope for 41, the 41, 41. Pretty incredible stuff. You still got 11 years in the NFL, dude. Well, yeah, there <laughs> we go. My Super Bowl hopes are not yet over. Stay woke, folks. Um, so uh, my hot take is actually going uh, to stay in the pool this time. It's going to involve D2 swimming. There's a renaissance going on in D2 swimming right now, Grant. I don't know... If our listeners have had a chance to see the most recent results from two of the main conferences in D2, uh, the Great Lakes Conference Swimming Championships, which has really uh, involved some of the best teams in D2, including Drury, Grand Valley State, Missouri S&T, Indianapolis, so really some of the all-stars. And then on the other side of the coin, we have the Bluegrass Mountain Conference, which is, of course, owned by Queen Swimming. Um, also, Wingate participates in there, I guess, so... There are some great teams uh, there as well, but if, if anybody looked at the most recent results, it's no surprise to see some studs that are able to compete with the D1 swimmers, but what you're starting to notice about D2 swimming is that the depth is really coming along. Those top 16 spots are starting to get incredibly competitive, um, and really my hot take this year is that you know Queens is becoming so good that wow, I folks. think they're ready to be considered sort of a, a D1 competitor. I, they've already taken down South Carolina in a dual meet this this year. And uh, with some of their individual times and relay times, I wouldn't be surprised if you scored out the D1 meet with Queens included. They were a top 15 team. I'm just going to say it. Wow. And that's I think that's easy. I think that's easy peasy. You got Marius uh, going to 44-8 in the 100 fly, setting the D2 record. And then we got some uh, some pretty good depth on the relay medley spots as well. So... I'm just saying stay woke on Queens University. Hey, I won't, uh, I won't doubt that at all. I mean, with head coach Chef Dugdale down there, he's got those men and women whipped into shape, performing like soldiers out there, Navy SEALs to be more precise, I guess, mm. with their, with some of their stuff. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, when you're popping out a 44-800 fly like Marius, I mean, there's no doubt that's going to be contending, if not winning NCAAs on any level. Pretty nasty, uh, and, and big shout out to Coach Jeff Dugdale and John Long down there for uh, really getting the job done in the most recent conference meet, and we'll look for some even faster results at Division Two National Championships in mid-March. And potentially in pursuit of a fifth straight national title? Lock it down, lock it wow. down. I'm going wow, to go ahead and make right, that call. Here first. The Swami is predicting another national championship <laughs> for both the men's and women's wow. swimming teams. All right, folks. Easy peasy. All right, so let's go ahead and wrap it up, Grant, with uh, a new segment. Uh, we used to just kind of lump this under you like that, but I think it's time that we really step up our game. The podcast has made a comeback, and we got to get better. We're, so we're back, we're back, folks, back. and we're better than ever. I'm, I'm just gonna say it. it's not for us. It is, it is a little bit on our part, but it's for you. We need to be better for you guys. It's so true. It's so true. The listeners, they said they wanted more. We're giving them more, an extra bonus segment this time. Instead of a drive-in movie, we're going to call it the dive-in movie, where we rank the most recent movies that we've seen, Grant, and maybe make a recommendation to our listener base. I'm going to go ahead and start. I saw uh, at the theater the movie The Mule with Clint Eastwood recently. Uh, This was a a pretty good movie about an old man, a 90-year-old man who really starts uh, kind of accidentally running drugs and making a lot of money in his twilight years. Um, sort of an interesting premise and, and everybody loves Clint Eastwood as an actor. So it was, it was a fun watch. It was worth going to the theaters, I thought, but I'm really only going to give it six and a half out of 10 lane lines. So above average, I'm not going to say rush out to see it, but when it gets to Redbox, maybe, maybe get a rental, Invest check it, it out. Yeah. It. yeah. How does one uh, accidentally, uh, 
drive drive uh, drugs back and forth. <clears throat> well, look, man, when you find yourself uh, desperate with your home foreclosed, I don't want to give any spoiler alerts here, and somebody slips you a number and says, hey, all you have to do is drive, and we'll pay you for it. Maybe somebody throws something into the back of your pickup truck. You don't take a look, but uh could be drugs in a bag. So Clint Eastwood, 90-year-old man, delivering <laughs> delivering drugs just like that. All right. Good old Clint. As you get older, you'll find out how, how desperate times can get, Grant. All right. All right. Well, hopefully I'll never find myself in those shoes. But anyways, I guess Clint is. Uh, so on to my uh, dive-in movie. Uh, I got to go hands down with uh, Free Solo. Alex Honnold and his movie production and film crew was just phenomenal. I mean, this movie, it, it was more of a documentary, I'd say, completely. It, it was inspirational, motivational, um, just all around. Just a phenomenal creation and, and film. I mean, to go into it, to, uh, to, I guess, give a little bit of an info for anyone who's not familiar with it. Um, Free Solo essentially exemplifies what it is like to be an extreme rock climber and to the furthest extent of what they call as soloing. And that is just basically ascending, ascending any rock surface and mountain climbing range without any gear this is just man body with nature chalk and i guess clothes if they want it but that's not mandated but yeah just no no blaze no chains nothing no nets nothing just all all grip strength all brute force mental stability and emotional well-being up there um and it was just breathtaking to see how this one man was just taking down mountain after mountain cliff after cliff across the world and was just seemingly unfazed and just wanting and craving more and more and and as an athlete they made the analogy of imagine an olympic gold uh, olympic gold medal caliber event and if you don't attain the gold medal you die Mm. and that's what they equated soloing to wow i think we might have just came up with a more entertaining uh premise for a swimming league if you don't win the race that's it for you. Wow. It's lights All out. Right. Just, pink uh, slips. Yep. Hey. Pink for, slips for life. Reasons for, yeah, life pink slips. If you want ratings, imagine. Imagine how many <laughs> imagine people would the tune excitement. in for that. That's, yeah. <laughs> maybe this should be under the hot takes thing. That got, <laughs> I that think Tiger got out of the cage on that one. We're getting into an interesting zone with that one, but we'll hold on to that one okay. for sure. We'll hold <laughs> right. on to that one. We'll Table that one. We'll, <laughs> we'll workshop it a little bit. Yeah, we'll talk to some people and we'll get back to you on that. Investors? Maybe, maybe you. you know, but, uh. But yeah, so I think that that movie was just awesome. It definitely elicited a lot of emotion, and uh, it was great. I definitely give it ten out of ten lane. Lines. Whoa! Is this the first 10 ever lines. ten out of ten lane lines score on the Swim Bros podcast? First ten out of ten, but wow. it's deservingly so. This is a riveting must see film. Would you say this is one you can wait to rent, or is it a, a must see in the movie theaters? I mean, it's only limited limited time on theaters, um, but it is it is a must see. Out in theaters if you have the capability. I know it's limited release across different regions of the world. Um, but also, once it comes out on Redbox or Netflix or online, it is a must-see still then. Sounds like an IMAXer to me. Yeah, and it was. That's how I was able to view it and definitely a, a surreal experience. Well, you know what? That puts us uh, right around the 30-minute mark, and that's uh, right where we like these episodes to be. So it looks like we still got it on the timing front, right? Oh, yeah. So what's next for you? What, what should we look for the next episode here? Yeah, I mean, just continuing the next uh, couple weeks for me will be continuing, continuing into that taper, mm. taper life, mm. and into the. Hey, you don't say that. Uh, you don't say that. Hey, what we will say though is the big cat lifestyle. Okay, big cat right. lifestyle is going to be coming back around. Might get a might get a guest speaker on that to to speak towards that. Who knows? 
And uh, yeah, just continuing towards conference championships. Hopefully give some maybe previews of a couple, but also give you definitely give you back the results of, of those conference championships and looking forward into the NCAA, the, the creme de la creme of college swimming. Good stuff. Well, now, like I said, it's just time to let it all pay off, all that hard work. So enjoy the rest. Enjoy the extra time. Hopefully uh, some of that extra time will be spent recording new episodes for our listeners. As it already is. Yes, indeed. So, all right. Well, uh, with that said, that's going to be the latest episode. I don't even know what number we're on. I think we're 40 plus at this 40 point. Plus. But uh, we're really bringing the heat on this one. So yeah, First one of 2019, dude. We're back. Uh, happy Valentine's Day, listeners. Mm, yeah. We love you. I love you, man. Grant, say it. (laughs) I love you, man. Okay. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Give us a uh, five-star rating on Apple iTunes if you don't mind, if you think we are worthy. And uh, we'll see you next time. Swim Bros, over and out. We're worthy. Out. I said it again and again. Can't get it out of my head. Friend said, better off as she is. I'm thinking it's maybe just. I'm too lost instead from being Too far ahead, just barely To see where she is, I get it This may be just a letter song